oftentimes in the space of equity, diversity, and inclusion, we are constantly thinking about all the things that make us different, all the things that divide us. Um, but the way that we think about this at first is, well, what can we what can we talk about? What can we amplify that will unite us? And if we focus on what will unite us over the differences that can cause challenges, um, then we're one step in the in the right direction. Hi everyone, welcome back to the All Inclusive Podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by Dr. Janelle Catlin, Vice President of Equity, Diversity and Inclusion at the global STEM nonprofit FIRST. I'm also joined by Kathleen Owsley, Community Fund President at Bosch. Together, they share their inspiring journeys and the impactful work they're doing to cultivate student STEM pipelines and inclusion in STEM through community engagement, mentorship, and grant implementation. We explore Bosch and First thriving partnership and the strategic methods they've employed to connect individuals with invaluable resources and elevate awareness surrounding the diverse array of possibilities within the realm of STEM. As always, before jumping into the video, make sure you hit that subscribe button turn your notification bell and follow on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. That being said, let's jump in. Hi Kat, hi Janelle. Hello. Good morning. It's so lovely to speak with both of you. I'm always excited when it's not just one person I'm speaking to, but it's two. <laughs> two for the price of one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's kick things off. Can you both tell our listeners a little bit about your backgrounds and your journeys to your current roles at one at first and Anna Bosch? Fantastic. Well, thanks so much, Natasha. Um, I'm super excited to be here. I know Kat is super excited to be here. A little bit about myself uh, and my journey to first. Um, my background is as a research scientist. And as a child, I have always been um, curious and inquisitive about the world that we live in. Um, but I also come from a family of educators. Uh, and so once I began my career um, in the pharmaceutical industry, uh, working in, in the labs, um, I had conversations with my family about, you know, well, what, what are the next steps uh, in terms of, you know, bringing science to, to all kids and for kids to have an opportunity to engage in a career that, that I had started as a research scientist? And in speaking with a family of educators, they said education is the way. And so I transitioned uh, from my role as a research scientist and started studying science education and really fell in love with understanding how do we inspire students to, to get excited about STEM, to get excited about science. And from there, uh, I started to do some work internationally, uh, working with um, various teachers across the globe through international consultancies with USAID, um, as well as some other organizations that I worked with. And I felt like, wow, this is where all my true passions lie, to be able to blend STEM 
excitement for science, excitement for education, really understanding how students learn. Um, and that eventually brought me to FIRST and I've been at FIRST for three years now. Oh, fantastic. That's such, it sounds like an amazing journey. And it sounds like it fits with, with everything that you have got a keen interest in and a passion for, which is, which is great. That's, that's all you can ask for, right? Is to do work that, that aligns with, with what you're, what you most care about and what you are most interested in. So Kat, tell us a little bit more about your journey. Yeah, thanks, Natasha. It's exciting to um, to speak to you and to do this with Janelle because now I just learned something about her that I didn't know. And that's um, fascinating because I think you, um, um, you know, where you come from in terms of your background and your like kind of like lived experience. So I'm from Detroit. I'm the first in my family to go to college. Um, my experience was um, where I went to school. Internships were a big part of the curriculum. And so I happened to be um, my two internships were nonprofit. So I was with the French government and the American Medical Association in Chicago. And um, after graduation, I went back to the American Medical Association to do data analysis and research and um, just felt like I'm not ready for this nine to five. So I ended up backpacking in Ireland and um, subsequently went back to school in Belfast um, to Queens University thinking I was going to be a lawyer or maybe go to grad school and become a history professor went back to the United States, ended up in California, back at a nonprofit. And then the cost of living was really high. And so a friend was like, come back to Detroit. And I ended up at the Detroit Regional Chamber for eight years. And that really kind of sealed my fate um, from the perspective that I was doing a lot of the research and program development and management, but my real passion became community engagement um, and almost acting as an ambassador to the Detroit Regional Chamber with ethnically-based chambers, local chambers, and chambers out state to find mutually beneficial work together. Um, and then from there, it was just nonprofit. And then I made the switch over to the philanthropy side with the Kresge Foundation, working on the Detroit program. And then from there, a recruiter asked me about the Bosch job. And I was like, I don't know, corporate philanthropy, like, isn't that just marketing? I'm not in marketing. Um, but talking to Bosch, they really wanted somebody who could do philanthropy for the sake of good community investment and um and philanthropy and so i've been there now 12 years i can't believe it but um it's been very rewarding especially getting to work with organizations like first so yeah that's that was my journey very um no, <laughs> i think lovely. this kind of like rock climbing, right <laughs> but i think it goes to show that it's not always it doesn't have to be a straight straight route right like i think it's it's so interesting to hear and that's the why it's one of my first questions for guests on the show is to find out a little bit about your journeys because it's always different everyone always has a different journey um and different reasons why and as I, as you said at the beginning cat is that i think it's it's quite unique like everyone's experience and, and their background plays a unique role into how they do this work now so mm -hmm. it's, it's great to hear both of your, your journeys. Um, so I think the burning question for me is how did this partnership happen? I came into Bosch um, to be the first head of the foundation, but the relationship preceded me and the foundation. So from my understanding, it was really um, a connection with our head of HR for North America, identifying first as just the bar, they set the bar in terms of experiential learning, 
um, connecting industry by mentors with the program, uh, had all the levels, right, K through 12. And so when I came in, it was a it was a known fact, like this would be something that I would take into the foundation with me. Janelle, is that your understanding of the background? Yeah, so we at first are a global robotics community. Uh, we serve over 600,000 students, uh, nearly 300,000 volunteers um, in over 100 countries. And our work and our mission is really grounded in creating, just as Kat stated, these mentor-based programs for students to learn how to engage in STEM and to have access to robotics um, and build their STEM skills, but also to build their social skills, life skills, collaboration skills. And so Bosch is one of our strategic partners um, because certainly we at first are a nonprofit. And so in order to have that support to make it happen, um, we are just so grateful for our partnership with Bosch. Uh, and also because it, it allows us to have um, a, a connection where our students can also think about their next steps once they become first alumni. Oh, lovely. So talking about STEM and STEM workforce, why do you think it's so important to have people from different backgrounds? So I'll share from the first perspective. Um, certainly when we think about the world that we live in, uh, the challenging global problems that we have. We know that when we have diverse thought, diverse minds, diverse experiences at the table, coming together to think about a solution, we're able to create a better solution. Um, and so for us at first, that's why diversity is so key. Um, and so I'll just turn it over to Kat um, to build upon that as that connects to, to Bosch. Yeah, I, I could completely 100% agree and back that up. And I think FIRST is such a beautiful example of that because I think about the fact that you go through annually, you know, the challenge of what is being um, given to the students who are participating, right? And there's a certain level of consistency at the outset, right? But then the manifestation at the competition you see all the different ways that these, these diverse teams across so many places have interpreted the best solution to the problem. I think that is like the perfect example of what we're talking about that then perhaps, and there might be data on this, Janelle, I don't know, but there's probably some truth to the fact that there's a bit of the pieces of everyone's contribution that makes really what would have been the ultimate solution to the challenge of that year, right? So I just find it fascinating because um, I always can't wait to hear what is at the annual challenge through first, because then how will all of these students interpret the problem solving? You know, and I would just say, I think it's our job. Um, and I think first is in line with this completely where removing barriers and removing the mystique of what STEM is. And that's the beauty of first too, from the standpoint that, you know, and I was one of the people who I, I, I completely, it resonates with me. Like you, STEM is what STEM could be mysterious. It can be um, mystical. It can be perceived to be not for me, for other, for people that you know might not look like me or act like me. Um, but when you're working on a project and it's experiential learning, and you're just you know you don't even realize you are doing STEM. So I think by the time these students are you know at that 
high school level participating in FIRST Robotics at that high level, they never even have to have that conversation with themselves because they've been doing STEM all along. Um, and they've broken down those barriers right from the beginning. So I find that really fascinating. I feel like the older you are, I think sometimes you look at STEM and see it as like this really big thing and it's only really going to be for people that are super super smart right and I, I mean and me personally that's how sometimes at first that's how I saw it I was like oh no that's like for all like the the really like educated <laughs> really smart kids like uh, that's not something that I could ever get into like I'm probably going to be awful but actually like you said I mean a lot of these children that are probably going through this this to them it's it's that's just how it is that's another form of education it's another adventure which they enjoy and it's fun for them and they've just continued to build and now they're really good at it and I think it's just like with anything if you start something you don't really know how to do it but the more you do it and the more you practice the better you get um so I think it's it's great that we are focusing on STEM so early on because by the time they become our age like to them it's not going to be such a big thing it is it's just going to be a way right. of life right absolutely yeah and I would just build upon what Kat and what you just said uh Natasha and first students have the space to quote-unquote fail safely right to explore to experience um and being able to create that growth mindset which is so important um, especially in those seminal years, as students are developing and they're discovering themselves and able to have positive uh, self-talk around who they are as individuals and what they can do in STEM, in science and mathematics. So it's it's so, so fantastic. That's great. And so moving on to a little bit more into like the community engagement um, and, and workforce development, can you provide just like an overview or some of the initiatives and, and strategies that you've got that you have seen positive outcomes from with, with what you're doing and with the community engagement? So I think there's a few things. One, first, I would also just um, let your um, listeners know that, that this is a really unprecedented um, partnership for us because it's the largest grant we make annually. So we work with FIRST and then um, communities are able to, and we're, we're in 38 site communities where Bosch is located across the US, Canada and Costa Rica. And then if a team wants to participate with FIRST, they have to have a Bosch mentor in order to be able to, to get funding from the foundation. And so already inherently they're getting the um, extraordinary experience of the FIRST curriculum and experience, but they're also working with an industry partner so just by, by virtue of that experience, they're being connected and the translation is happening from what am I doing here with this sort of like game experience to how this can be applied in a workforce setting. So I think you set the bar as first so well with that. And then simultaneously, you know, I think it's really important that um, our motto has been do nothing about me without me. And we, we stole that from Grantmakers for Effective Organizations years ago. But we're also working um, grassroots level in our 38 site communities to talk with people annually. We bring stakeholders together for an informal conversation. I love that. For, I was going to bring that up to Janelle about the safe place, the safe place to fail, the safe place to speak. Just to hear like, hey, what's happening? Where are your pain points in the areas of what we fund, which would be STEM, environmental sustainability and environmental education? And then where, where do you want to see yourself going? 
And now we found that over all these years that have passed, the conversation in some instances in these communities is just as important as the funding. But then I think the other piece is really illuminating um, those pathways, right? So here's the educational pathway and first is another great example because you can do it from early ages through high school. And then what does that look like? And being able to show, literally show, mapping out for parents, students, and educators, what comes next? Like, how do I apply this then in the real world? So we hear this all the time from educators across the country. Like we need more connection um, and conversation to that translation from education to, to workforce. And so that's something that's constantly on our minds. And I would just say that's one of the things that's just so beautiful about our partnership with Bosch for students to have real life STEM professionals, um, you know, as mentors. We know that when students can see themselves and others, when um, the quote unquote workforce isn't this intangible thing or intangible thing, but it's something that they can connect to, that also drives inspiration and builds connection um, and allows for students to say, well, wow, you know, I get to talk to someone who's at Bosch. I get to be mentored from someone who's, you know, working for this incredible corporation. That can be me one day. Um, and so to be able to have that kind of real life access uh, really is transformative. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I think <clears throat> it makes all the difference. Um, so for organizations that are, that want to be more involved, in in STEM and, and want to do their bit what would you say what advice would you give for organizations that are wanting to do something but just not, not sure how to well certainly uh from the first perspective um reach out to us at first right I mean we can definitely um think about ways to connect and work together um but I would say with our partnership with Bosch um and other partners that we have you know it really is mission driven um, and so it aligns with the core values of the organization. Um, and so when an organization, a corporation um, is centered in their own core values, centered in their own mission, and really deeply want to give back and thinking about workforce development, thinking about creating opportunities for, for students who may not have those opportunities, um, think globally and act locally. And so what is it that you can do in your current place in the world, um, your, your own backyard, where you can make a difference? How can you utilize your, your employees um, who are passionate um, about supporting education um, to, to be able to develop programs or connect to certain um, local programs that are STEM focused? I love that you said that, Janelle, about the think um, globally, act locally, because one of our kind of kind of our new perspectives, because we're not always, you know, going to be the largest funder in a community, um, but we're in a lot of communities across a large swath of um, land, right? So we really focus on sort of this local investment, local impact, local agency. And what we're trying to do for students is to feel like they do have agency within their own community to make change, to be involved, to feel like they have some ownership over themselves and the, the health of their community. So I think, you know, maybe starting small, you know, could be a great way to dip your toe in the water if you're thinking about some type of an involvement. Um, obviously, programs like FIRST, it makes it very easy because they are so 
um, you know, experienced in this already. I think the other piece too is to decide too, is it, a, is it volunteerism and just getting deploying, you know, and empowering um, employees to get out and to volunteer. And then it can also obviously be the money piece too. And at, at Bosch, we're lucky that we have both. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of ways that you can um, start to explore getting involved. Yeah, lovely. Thank you so much, both of you, for that. And um, what would you say, so individually for, for both of you, for the, for the roles that you're in and the work that you're doing, what has been the most challenging for you? So um, I'm happy to kick that, that off. Um, certainly the world that we live in, um, it's a beautiful world that we live in, but it's a challenging world that we live in. It can be a scary world that we live in. It can be a divisive world that we live in. And even within our own global community, at first, um, we are in spaces in the world where not everyone can live their life as they would choose to openly and freely. And so certainly when we think about things from an equity, diversity and inclusion lens, one of the biggest challenges that we've had um, or just in general in, in the EDNI space is how do we create a space for everyone to be seen and welcome and heard and have a sense of belonging when there's so many differences uh, where we where we live. Uh, and so that has been and will continue to be a challenge. I mean, as long as we have humans on this earth, we will have challenges in equity, diversity and inclusion. Um, but one of the things that we try to do to solve that is to say, okay, yes, we are all coming from different parts of the world. We are all coming from different backgrounds, different cultures, different ways of life, different religions, et cetera, languages. I could go on and on, but what centers us is our passion around STEM. What centers us is the robot. Uh, what centers us is that we are focused on global solutions. Um, and so, Oftentimes in the space of equity, diversity, and inclusion, we are constantly thinking about all the things that make us different, all the things that divide us. Um, but the way that we think about this at first is, well, what can we what can we talk about? What can we amplify that will unite us? And if we focus on what will unite us over the differences that can cause challenges, um, then we're one step in the in the right direction. Oh, that's fantastic to know. I love that. Um, I think, yeah, I don't even have words because I just feel like that was just, yeah, it, it's fantastic. Yeah, I and I would, I would probably say, you know, what keeps me up at night is, you know, the access, right? That making sure that everybody's included. For us at Bosch, we talk about diversity, inclusion, equity, but we also say the A because access is sort of like this guiding kind of like star for us. If uh, if an organization comes to us and says, we have this really incredible program where you could put Bosch's name on it and it's these elite students, 4.0, they're gonna be stars. Or all our students are struggling with basic math, we're going with the latter. And that's the beauty of doing what I do at Bosch because they allow us to do that. Like we need everybody to have, you know, strong basics in order to be successful. We gotta bring everybody up. Um, and so how we continue to do that, and I would just say, 
you know, from the, from, I was listening to that episode that you did Natasha with um, Jason Thompson. Um, he wrote the book on divert, was it diversity inclusion matters. Yeah. And I was nodding my head in violent agreement as he was speaking to you because he was talking about um, which exhausts me too. this idea of just diversity and inclusion as a theory, like put it into action. And even if it's not perfect, act right so for us that's about like accessibility thinking about reaching out to underserved communities getting kids engaged who might not otherwise have the opportunity what are the barriers that will allow them to be you know part of something like first um but it's never perfect and so that's what keeps me going it energizes me and scares me and all the good things because it's just a practice and it's continually evolving um, but you know, there's a certain subjectivity to the work as well. And so making sure always this like continuing improvement process, double checking ourselves. The other thing I would say too, for listeners who might be on the grant making side as well, is we think about too, um, even just the experience of applying for a grant and the diversity, actual equity and inclusion issues with that. We don't want you to have to be a professional grant writer to apply with us. That is already an equity barrier right there. So making it accessible, being able to be um, accessible both as a program officer, as a foundation, to work with people so that the experience isn't burdensome. Because we find that a lot of the communities that need the money and the experience the most can't even lift their head up to look at things like the Bosch Community Fund in first. So that is where we really think about that a lot. Like how do we help people who do not have the bandwidth? And especially I think in 2023, that's been a huge issue talking to students, parents, educators, that bandwidth is just really tight. So when someone can come in and, and help and provide a program like FIRST, but how do we help them get to that point too is is something that keeps me up yeah. at night, frankly. I think, yeah, I think with, from the cultural background that I'm from, so I'm Caribbean and I've always grown up um, thinking that, or uh, my parents and my, and my grandparents, it's like, put your head down, work really hard. It's this like survival mode, right? Like there's no room for, for dreaming. There's no room for like pursuing like your fantasy role. Like, no, 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 You just need to make sure you, that you're, you've got a good job. It's like a respectable job. It's earning you a good wage. Like those are the, that, those are the main criterias that you need to meet in life. Once you're there, okay great fantastic keep working hard and then your good work if you someone will pat you on the shoulder and I think that even when you are in it and it's and you're struggling and even if then you've got barriers and you're and you're struggling to even get to a standard level where you feel that you're comfortable in your living space to even think about reaching out for help like where would I even start like it's 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 another that's time that's that's I have to take time out to look for help mm -hmm. right um, so I totally understand that 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 kind of that that bandwidth issue is is trying to connect people to the resources and to 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 first to let them know about it to let them to help them get there. Um, that's the, it's fantastic that you guys are aware of that and it's something that you're working on. So in knowing that, um, what have you found to be quite effective in order to kind of bridge that gap? Well, I can speak from the first lens or, or Kat, did you want to take that? No, go, go for it. In terms of the first lens, um, because with our, our supporters, we are able to provide many grants, for example, uh, to local organizations. 
um, who want to run FIRST programs. It's our STEM Equity Community Innovation Grant. And in order for, for folks to be able to have the time, to have the space, just as Kat mentioned, um, we provide opportunities uh, for folks to understand these are, uh, this is the process. We hold a webinar. Um, we explain you know, what we're looking for in the proposal. Um, if folks have challenges with proposal writing, um, then you know, we offer resources to say, oh, okay, th this is one way um, that you can see how a proposal can be written. Um, and so that's just one example. Um, I would also say, and, and Natasha, you mentioned this key term, awareness. Um, awareness is so important um, because before we even get to the stage of folks being able to, for example, apply for a STEM equity community innovation grant, it's how do we ensure that communities are aware about FIRST, about the program? So one way to even break down barriers is to have the opportunity to engage. And one cannot have the opportunity to engage if one doesn't know about the opportunity. Um, and so one of the things that we've done um, through our work, obviously with Bosch, um, other mission-driven organizations, is to reach out directly to communities to share what FIRST is, what the opportunities can be, um, how the opportunity can be beneficial to one's child. So just even a focus on family engagement. Uh, and, and that's the first step, right? Because if one doesn't know that an opportunity to, is available to them, then they won't have the chance to, to participate. So I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with both of you today. It's It's been really enlightening. I, I love everything that, that you're doing. I think it's so important. I want more organizations to do the same as Bosch um, and more organizations and more people like you. We need them um, at first. So look into the future. Can you share with us your vision for the future of DEI and in STEM? Well, I'm, I'm happy to, to answer that question first. My big vision for diversity, equity, and inclusion in STEM um, is that everyone has the opportunity to engage, um, that students, um, whether they pursue a career in STEM long-term um, or they decide a, a different career path, that they see themselves as global citizens. Um, that they understand that we are all connected in this world. Um, what, what happens in one country affects what is going to happen in another part of the world. And we saw that very clearly uh, with the global pandemic, um, how we are all one. Um, and so I would love to see a world uh, one day where when folks are entering the workplace, um, that it is a space where one does feel included um, because the challenge with diversity, equity, and inclusion is once one achieves their goals, if they get to that space and still don't feel seen and welcome, all we've done is re-traumatized an individual. And so what is that? 
And how can we really move forward? And how can we really create solutions? Um, and so I have a vision of one day where we can all achieve our best, where children are able to achieve their best in STEM, where we understand we are connected and where we can thrive to build and drive better solutions for all of us. Oh, I love that. Cats, what's your vision? It's hard to follow that. Um, <laughs> but I would say, you know, I'd say obviously experiential educational opportunities for everyone at all ages is so, so important. You know, this, this uh, old notion of sit and get in terms of education is so antiquated. So getting kids out of their chairs and having them experience is so important for all students. Um, I think it builds so much um, confidence and um, that is just like, first of all and foremost, I think my first piece. But I think I would also say too, just um, for my experience as well, just even working in terms of like education reform issues, just making sure that we're putting students at the center that before, you know, we have to stop, you know, worrying about our own interests and, um, you know, in the kind of infighting and divisiveness that Janelle talked about earlier and just really focus on what is really important. And I know education, as Janelle said earlier, is so key for everyone um, that we need states, <clears throat> particularly in the United States, states and, you know, our society in general to really put students at the center. Um, because if we don't do that, we we have failed them incredibly. So that would be what I would love to see, that we just really focus on students' um, educational um, quality, access, experience. And I think the rest is, is easy compared to just getting to that point. Thank you both of you for, for joining me on the podcast today. Like, it's been amazing. I can't even express how in love I am with what you're doing it's it's definitely life-changing and and we need to just keep on doing it <laughs> um so for those who are listening if they want to learn a little bit more about first and connect with you as well as learning about Bosch and UCAT how can they do that yes well please reach out to us um our website firstinspires.org uh, and you'll find lots of information and you can email us at diversity at firstinspires.org. Yes, and for Bosch, you can um, check us out um, through Bo the Bosch US um, website and um, we would be happy to um, have any conversations with folks around how to do what we do and I'm sure we can learn from plenty of other people as well. Oh, fantastic. Well, I will be um, putting links down below the episode for anyone who is listening can easily um, access and get more information from, from both of you. So once again, thank you so much for joining me today and I wish you all the best in the future. Keep doing what you're doing because it's amazing. Thanks, Natasha. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you.